So I, I do like to think of it on a one to 10 scale. So one being this was basically a recovery ride could have, you know, su- such an easy ride, basically the biking equivalent of taking a stroll. Um, and then 10 would be that is as hard as you could have possibly gone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Matchbox Podcast, powered by Ignition Coach Co. I'm your host, Adam Saban, and this week we're talking about whether it's better to rack up endurance miles across multiple shorter rides versus one longer ride, and how hard should you be pushing yourself during those interval sessions. Today's show is also brought to you by Flow Formulas. I had a big race this past weekend at the Dakota 5.0 and relied exclusively on Flow Formulas for my nutrition. I took in over 300 grams of carbs from their drink mix and over 100 grams of carbs from their new endurance gel formula. If you're looking to amplify your on-the-bike nutrition, head over to flowformulas.com today to see what all the hype is about and use the discount code Ignition Podcast 10 for 10% off your first order. And as always, if you like what you hear, please share this with your friends and leave us a five-star review. If you have any questions for the show, drop us an email at matchboxpod at gmail.com with email title of the Matchbox Podcast or head over to Ignition Coach Co. and fill out the Matchbox Podcast listener question form. All right, let's get into it. Okay, so this first question comes from Richard. Uh, Richard says, I've sent some training-related questions to the Bonk Rose podcast, but since you wanted them to be answered here, I figured I would send them right away. Man. Yeah, okay. Good job, Richard. You finally figured it out. All right, so I ride to work about 30 minutes every day, and despite getting passed from time to time, I am mostly able to keep my backwards cap ego in check and go very easy on those commutes, and have lately tried to implement one-hour zone one, two rides after work twice a week for getting additional base work done. My simple question is if this is of any use in terms of getting some easy zone one, two work done. So my simple question is if this is of any use in terms of getting some easy zone one, two work done, or if I'd be better off to put a two to three hour endurance ride instead. I really enjoyed both podcasts. Hope you guys have a great day, Richard. So basically he wants to know, like, should he continue to treat his commutes as his base miles or would he be better off nixing that and just doing his zone two rides of two, you know two to three hours instead yeah i did a video on this uh two a days versus one ride per day um, how long is his commute uh so it sounds like his commute is roughly 30 minutes each way so i guess the question here is uh is he is he thinking about not is the question whether he should count that ride towards his total volume or not? Or is the question whether he should not commute and do one long ride after work or one long ride before work? I think that's the question. I would say, I would say, I think it comes down to like practicality. Uh, Cause I already know what Dylan's about to say. Dylan's going to say it's much better to get one long ride in than two segmented rides in. Cause that's what he says in the video. I'm pretty sure he can, he can confirm or deny this. <laughs> but what I would say is that if practically doing an hour before work and an hour after work and you get two hours of zone two in that way, yeah, it's not ideal, but like it's, it's pretty good. Um, and if that sets you up to where you're much happier, like your home life is much happier. Cause now you're, at home with your family more, or you have more time to, you know, do other things other than like dedicate two to three hours to riding, then maybe that's the way to do it. So I always think, you know, like, yeah, there's an optimal way to do it. Um, but then there's, you know, you have to consider practically like what, what is good. 
I think that was the conclusion of my video. Oh. I, I think I think what I said in the video is that, you know, if you had no obligations in your life except for riding your bike, the optimal way to do it would probably be to just do it all in one session because I think there are some physiological adaptations that happen in a long ride that don't happen when your ride is so short. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the week, if you have lower volume because you're like, oh, I'll just scrap all these commutes and try to do one long ride, but you actually end up with lower volume at the end of the week, I think that would actually be detrimental. So, yeah, I found myself if, thinking like if I were to just, I don't know, wake up and do something for 30 minutes every day, like, oh, man, that's like an extra three hours of volume at the end of the week. Like if I went for a 30 minute run or jumped on the uh, the rowing machine or something, you know, especially in the off season, it's like if I just did 30 minutes here and there, but by the end of the week, it, it would really add up and it wouldn't really, you could do a lot of those little 30 to 60 minute things off the bike stuff that would, would add a lot of weekly volume in and wouldn't really affect a lot of your on the bike training throughout the week. I think if you're used to it. By saying it wouldn't affect it, do you mean in a negative way? Yeah. Like I could, you know, I could do like 30 minutes on a rowing machine and then in the morning and then in the afternoon go out and ride my bike and it probably wouldn't have that much of a, a detrimental effect on that day's workout, I guess. But by yeah. the end of the week, I've added in all this volume, I guess. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, and I think that's sometimes what people overlook is, you know, if they only have 30 minutes and this is everyone, um, you know, maybe maybe excluding pro athletes who have, you know, infinite amount of time to train. But, you know, for for most athletes, if they've only got 30 minutes, they're like, uh, maybe I should just do some chores instead because that 30 minutes isn't going to contribute to anything. But what you're saying, Drew, is like when you stack that up three, four times a week, if you can get an extra two hours total of training time in, in that 30 minute time slot is like what allows you to do that. Yeah, I think, you know, assuming it's not contributing to additional stress in your life because you're mm -hmm. skipping other things that you could be tending to instead. Yeah, that, that, that goes a long way. You know, it's funny that I'm going to be the one to say this instead of Drew, but if you... If you have, if you're the kind of person where you have 30 minute chunks in your day where you're free to work out, you may consider taking up running. Not like, not, not <clears throat> quitting cycling and taking up running, but like taking up running in addition to cycling because getting ready to go for a bike ride takes, I don't know, five times as long as getting ready to go for a run. Like getting on a run is like you put on running shorts and you put on running shoes and you're out the door. Whereas like going for a bike ride is, Get, you know, fill the bottles, get, lube the chain, like get your whole, get all kitted up. Like it's like, so it's such a process and running itself. Uh, you don't need to run as long as like a, a 30 minute run is a decent run. A 30 minute bike ride is, is super short. So, yeah. Um, and you know, on the bike, a lot of times you have to ride to get somewhere where you can actually do your workout. So, mm -hmm. you know, that might take another 15 minutes to get somewhere. Whereas running, like you can you could pretty much in most places start doing your workout right away. Yeah. 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 I often think of my alternate life had I chosen running over cycling, <laughs> but my mom worked at a bike shop, not a shoe, not a shoe store. So mm. that's what, that's what determined that. I think, I think in my alternate life as a runner, my knees would just like give out. <laughs> so if, knee if, issues if we were to go riding. back to, <laughs> if we were to go back to Richard's question here, you know, so he's talking about, Let's say commutes 30 minutes each way. That's 
10 commutes of half an hour. So he's, he's racking up five hours of, you know, we'll call it base miles. He says zone one, two rides. Yeah. Would you, if, if he was considering extracting a couple of those rides out, would you rather fill those 30 minute time slots with, with nothing like in, in, in take that time and put it towards a longer ride? Or would you have him do like some strength training in the morning or something instead? Well, it depends on the time of season. I mean, strength training is great. Yeah, I would totally have him start strength training if he's not already strength training. Um, if 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 this guy really does have the option of of splitting his ride into two or just doing one ride, and neither one of those options affects his affects his life, like either one of those options, his life is going to be the same, and it's not more more or less of a hassle either way. I think the answer is obvious. He, he needs to go for one ride per day, uh, especially when we're talking about rides so short that they're 30 minutes long. I think when it's, he's got to do too. I think when it's that short though, it's two 30 minute rides or one, one hour ride that the difference isn't big enough. Like I, I feel like whatever is more enjoyable um, and that can change from day to day too. Like I think you should mix it up. I think take advantage of the commute when it's nice out, but like if it's stressful in the morning to have to get up earlier to do the commute, um, if like safety is a concern, if it's dark in the morning and like, I don't, I don't know. I just think whatever is more enjoyable, like it might, you know, you feel good because you're commuting via bike instead of driving to work. So that makes you feel good. Like, yeah, I'd say do whatever. I think Richard is also maybe from Germany. I think I saw. Mm. So uh, I don't know so what the infrastructure is like there is a, is a much more practical, like, like the, the environment is set up for that more so than here. Nice. Then getting your day started with a, with a ride has to be easier than just, or more enjoyable, I would think than mm-hmm. driving. Yeah. And, and one thing that I would add to, and I think we've maybe talked about this in the past, but you know, Richard's talking about trying to be very diligent with keeping these all of his commutes at zone one, two. Um, and that's great for, for the most part, but it's not a bad idea to also make one of these rides like an intensity ride, whether that's adding a little bit more time or like maybe you're just doing sprints out of all the stoplights or something like just <laughs> making one of those rides an intensity ride. And then that'll give you the flexibility or freedom to maybe do a longer ride on the weekend. That can be just a zone two, because you're probably going to get more out of that longer ride being zone two than keeping that 30 minute ride zone two. So if you can, you know, swap in one of your interval sessions for the week into one of these commutes, probably on your way home. So that way, I don't know what your shower situation is or whatnot at work, but, um, that way, that way you can replace one of those 30 minute sessions, which might not be getting you as much aerobic adaptations with that interval session. And then you can save that aerobic workout for the longer weekend ride. Yeah, I was going to say, if I were coaching him, I'd I'd probably have him do this, like, ride to work, ride home, three days a week. Like, I think Monday, Wednesday, Friday would make a lot of sense, because Mondays and Fridays are usually easy days anyways. And then on Tuesdays, Thursdays, it would be something a little more focused. And, like, we'd probably just do it after work, where you go do intervals or something like that. But I would I would probably do a lot of these rides that he's talking about on, like, his endurance days. And then if he can, after work, like... Maybe it takes him 30 minutes to get to work, but maybe he can like route it to where his ride home is an hour and a half or something like that. Sure. All right. Moving on. Sure. Got another international question here. This is Andre from Norway. 
Mm. And for background, Andre is 31. He weighs 65 kilos at 177 centimeters. Whoa. So that was like 143 pounds and (laughs) (laughs) 5'8", maybe, something like that. Okay, so that's a conversion. Andre started cycling, road and marathon mountain biking at age 20, but he didn't do any sports or training before that. Uh, He increased his volume gradually year by year following different training plans. In 2020 and 2021, he used a coach that wasn't very invested in the job. So for 2022 season, he increased the volume or no, he was self-coached by the principles that Dylan gives in his YouTube videos. Nice job, Dylan. Helping people from Norway. Uh, Two (laughs) intervals, zone two the rest of the week. Uh, And then for 2023, he bought and followed the off-season weight training plan, six hours, indoor-based training plan with lifting, six hours, and the road build, 10-hour plans, all from Dylan. So now he's training 425 to 450 hours a year. Okay, so now we're getting into the question. That was all back back, uh, background info. So for the last three to four years, my FTP has has been more or less the same, 250 to 260 watts. So he's right at four watts per kilo. But his zone two has increased. I can now ride Mm. at higher power at the same heart rate, and I perform better in races. Am I doing my VO2 max and threshold slash tempo intervals too easy, thus not pushing myself hard enough, or have I just reached my my ceiling in cycling? Uh, MVH, which I don't know what that stands for. I'm guessing maybe cheers, Andre. You haven't reached your ceiling. Nobody's reached their ceiling. There's always more room to grow. Come on, optimism. How many many times do we talk about fitness ceilings on this podcast? Quite a bit. It's so depressing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dylan's probably hit his, but everybody else has room to grow. (laughs) Okay, so the context, like, that was a a lot of good context. But the context that I want to know is what does it feel like when you're doing your threshold and VO2 max interval? Because Mm. we don't really have a way of knowing whether or not you're doing those too easy if we don't know what those feel like. Uh, And I guess what I'm getting at is are you finishing your VO2 max and threshold intervals and you're completely fine? Like that was, that was a walk in the park or are you on the ground? Because that was the hardest effort that you've done since the last time you did VO2 max intervals, you know, um, how on a, on a scale of one to 10, one being, you know, this was, uh, yeah, I could have done this in my sleep and 10 being, you know, I can barely pedal home now. How, how hard were these VO2 max and threshold intervals? Yeah, I like what Dylan's trying to say. I think what Dylan is kind of saying when he says that is just because you're you're not seeing that FTP increase doesn't mean it's not increasing. And uh, I don't know, like it's easy or it, like we want something like as coaches, we want a number that we can look at and say, look, you're getting fitter. And FTP has kind of just become that. Um, but I don't know, like fitness and cycling is way more complicated and dynamic than one 20 minute power test. Well, and he says too, that his, his zone two has gone up and he's doing better in races, but his FTP hasn't gone up. Usually, usually everything goes up together. Yes. You can, you can kind of tweak certain, uh, you can, you can tweak certain energy systems to be more or less active. You know, for example, you know, you could, you could really focus on your sprint and just, just, you know, do all sprint workouts and maybe you could get, you could bump up your sprint more than your FTP. I mean, that's certainly plausible, but for the most part, 
all of your power numbers throughout your power duration curve, they're all going to move in tandem. So I, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that it would, it would surprise me if your zone two has gone up and your FTP hasn't gone up at all. So, so let's give, let's give Andre some advice here. How, how do you recommend he goes about doing his tempo threshold and VO two max workouts relative to RPE? Caitlin, you want to start? Yeah, I'm I'm just curious like what he's been doing if he's been spending like in a workout 25 minutes of work in VO2 and how that's structured so is he doing like a 5 by 5 or is he doing 3 minute VO2s like I wish we also had that context. Um well, but Dylan, yeah, can you tell us what your road build plan would look like? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, we have the creator of his workouts <laughs> right here. Yeah, that's true. So I guess I guess if he's following one of my training plans, he's following, you know, I'm biased here, but he's following fairly well-structured workouts. (laughs) (laughs) The the crux of his question really is like, how hard do I go in these workouts? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, So this is, I I think that a lot of these workouts, I, I, I usually in the description kind of say how hard you should, you should be going, but. um, And Andre, if he doesn't say that reach out to Dylan. He'll give you a refund. <laughs> I do like to think of it on. I do one- say that. So you can just get a refund and use that money and buy one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do like to think of it on a one to 10 scale. So one being, this was basically a recovery ride could have, you know, su- such an easy ride, basically the biking equivalent of taking a stroll. Um, and then 10 would be, that is as hard as you could have possibly gone. Um, you know, you're, you, you gave everything you had. And I, I went back and forth on this question of whether or not, uh, your interval workouts should be tens every single time. Um, but I had a conversation with Steven Seiler and he, he admits that there's not a lot of research on that question, but his intuition, um, is that you should not make your interval workouts tens. They should probably be eights or nines. Yeah. If a one to 10 scale has to encompass everything, like imagine your hardest race when you fall over the line, like then that has to be your 10. So Dylan Johnson, at crusher in the tusher. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was actually a nine. I was just, I was just pretending for the camera. (laughs) Yeah. He knew there was a camera there. Yeah. Um, so I would say eight to nine RP, you know, maybe that's what you need to do. Just don't look at power for your VO2 workouts, you know, go back, analyze the data after, but be in that eight to nine RP. Mm-hmm. Um, and that like- sounds kind of crazy, right? Like to, to throw out power, but Kate, you know, I mean, we, we've done this with some of your workouts is like, yeah, sometimes you just don't look at the power because it sort of is irrelevant. Like you have to give what you have on the day. And if, mm-hmm. if an eight to nine on the day gives you X power and then, you know, two weeks later it gives you X plus five power, like that's, that's great. But what we still want to try and get is the, the, the effort level. What is the intent of the workout? And sometimes looking mm-hmm. at power can box you in. And that's what I kind of wonder is what's maybe going on with Andre here is like maybe he's had a couple bad FTP tests. So his zones are not actually set appropriately. So when he goes and does his threshold workout, if he's just boxed into, I need to do this power, but he's only hitting a six on the RPE scale, I would agree mm-hmm. he's probably not doing those intervals hard enough. And that that can happen. And sometimes that happens with people in racing too. 
and I, and I sometimes give the advice to people like maybe don't pace on power. You know, if, if, if you know you can go harder, then you should be going harder. You shouldn't be limiting yourself. It's the same for these intervals. Now, what Dylan was talking about as far as like going to a 10, like the reason you don't want to go to a 10 day in, day out is you do want to save some of that. Like, like you're using a lot of mental energy. You're, you're blowing through like all of your physical energy. Well, Drew would probably argue not all of it, but you know, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're, you're kind of burning one of those matches where like you're pushing yourself to that limit. And if you do that day in, day out, like it, it can, accumulate over time and maybe on race day you're not going to be able to pull that out of yourself so i think that's kind of why steven sauer said like let's just save most of that for race days and push yourself to a nine in training like you're getting as much as you can out of those workouts but going to a 10 probably isn't going to give you that much of a physical bump so like let's Mm -hmm. just make sure we're hitting the intent of the workout but yeah if you're only hitting a six or seven for a threshold workout uh that's probably not enough And, and you and and in, in that case, you're doing tempo. And if you're doing too much tempo, that's also probably not going to be beneficial to your overall training trajectory. Yeah. It, and it also like, depends on duration too. So like if you're hitting, if you're doing tempo power, but you're doing it for threshold duration, you're not hmm. getting enough uh, of a stimulus buildup during that workout. Cause maybe you're only doing 30 to 40, maybe 60 minutes max of total work. Whereas like a hard tempo workout would be 90 minutes. So you might not be accumulating enough time in those given zones if you're not going hard enough for the duration. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you're, you're I'm always, when I'm looking at like an athlete's uh, workout analysis, like the power, like the profile of a workout, I'm always looking at, like, I'm always, I've got two things pulled up always. It's the power, but I have the heart rate overlaid <laughs> it so that I can see. And heart rate's not perfect, but it does give me a gauge of the power tells me how hard they were pushing but like the heart rate tells me how hard like how hard the intervals actually were so usually i'll like look at their max heart rate real quick to see like okay here's this athlete's max heart rate and then i'll look at their workout and i'll see how close they get to that depending on what kind of workout they're doing but for a vo2 workout they should get fairly close to their max heart rate not not all the way to it but it should be pretty high so if i so I'm always kind of juggling those two things. And then the one thing that you can't really put on a chart that you all have been talking about is RPE. And so I'll look at those two things, but then I'll also read the comments that somebody leaves. And that's like the best way that we can get RPE is from an athlete's comments. They have like mm-hmm. the little smiley face thing in training peaks, but I don't so think that really does a good job. I the, think the, the, thing about the, the thing about the smiley face is that's, I think that's how you, how you felt during the ride, which meant, you know, did you, did your legs feel good or did they not feel good? Which is different than RPE. Arp, you could ha- you could start the ride with your legs feeling amazing, and if you went as hard as you possibly could, that would be a ten out of ten, and you you would feel obviously terrible at the end of the ride. Right. Um, right. So it would it would I mean. almost yeah, it would right. almost be good if they had a you know what was your RPE on the ride? Like how how hard out of ten did you go? Yeah. Yeah. And, and That's what I think. The one. That's what I think the one to ten scale is, and then the smiley face scale. It, yeah, they it have says, two different. They have two f- different things, Dylan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they the have a smiley, smiley face, face system, and they have a numeric system. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I don't Did think either feel, one of them yeah, really but, like accomplished. But, but it would be it'd be even better if it could get a little more granular than that in real time, like at the end of the interval, <laughs> ask you like, <laughs> hey, up on your what was the RP for that one? Because yeah. 
That's you might you might feel a six out of ten on the first interval, a ten out of ten on the fourth interval, but then all of a sudden an eight out of ten on the last interval. Like it could yeah. fluctuate like that. Right. And it would be it'd be mm-hmm. nice to know how you felt for each interval. So training peaks, if you're listening, hit us up and we, we can we can <laughs> help you with that algorithm. PE, yeah, that'd be a lot. But I'm I'm embarrassed the, to say this, but I don't know what you guys are talking about when you talk about a numeric <laughs> system. Exactly. That's it's not. And you don't even need to like I, it's. I don't think it's that. I don't even think it's that useful. I think Training Peaks is trying to grasp for straws when they put like, that. I RP use Training stuff in Peaks there. all day, every day, and I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about right now. <laughs> That's because you use the coaching version. On the athlete version, at the end of every ride, it'll pop up with like a workout analysis, and it'll ask you from a scale of one to ten. How good was it? I guess I don't know what oh. exactly, and then it'll give you a smiley face system of how did. Well, you I know feel. the smiley faces. Yeah, but it has a one to ten that says like on a scale of ten how good was it? I guess which is different but the same. And so what I'm saying is the best way for us to know coaches from our like from our athletes is I, I just want my athlete to write that third interval sucked because then I know the RP RPE really went up. Maybe they felt good for the first two and then the third one. And I have a lot of athletes that do exactly that. They'll say, and they'll give me those details because they know that that's what I want. And they'll say, yep, I really felt it on that third interval. Like the RPE really went up. Um, yeah. Because that's really what we're looking for is like big changes. If you felt good the whole time, that's good. But if there was like one set or something like that, like yesterday I did a workout and the first interval was terrible. Like I was like, maybe I'm not even going to do this workout, but by the last one I felt amazing. So like the RPE was going up and up, like it was getting, or no, it was going down and down. Like the first one sucked and then it kept getting easier. It's just, inter- I don't know. Interesting. You know, information. I, I find that this is a conversation that, you know, how hard should you go on your workout is a conversation that endurance athletes don't have that often but it's a conversation that strength athletes have all the time Mm. and because they have you know they have uh one rep max or or not one rep max or um what am i thinking of like the when you hit your max amount of reps that one rep max is the max you could do for one rep but the max that you could do for any given number of reps i don't know it's just the do you know what i'm talking about true there's a I know term one max rep. I don't know what you're talking about besides okay. that. Well, the the point is, or uh, uh, or when they're talking about you know doing sets to failure, I guess that's what. Oh I'm talking yeah, about. doing go. sets yeah. to failure. <clears throat> failure meaning that you couldn't, couldn't have do done it. another rep, and that would be a ten out of ten on the RPE scale because you you couldn't have done any more than you did. And so there's actually research in weightlifting on how 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 deep do you need to go um, in order to make strength gains? And I, I guess the closest research that we have to answering this question on the endurance side, now I will, I'm, I will grant you that endurance training is different from strength training, but I'm just saying this is, this is the closest thing we have. There is research uh, that, has, that has had subjects go to failure and then have subjects go to you know, any point between you know, failure and absolutely this was easy. Right. So, and I think that what they've found is that you, you do, you do not have to go to failure to maximize strength gains. It's, it's actually probably better if you keep it with like one or two reps in reserve. Um, because then you are, you're still, there's still a huge training load, but your recovery is quicker. Right. Yeah. There has to be significantly more, 
muscle fiber deterioration when you're hitting failure, when you physically cannot do another rep. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Have you guys ever passed out from trying to lift too much? No. (laughs) Have you? (laughs) Well, I've never passed out, but I've like, I'll lift something and I'm like doing a really heavy lift. And then when I, after I like rack it, I like, I'll see, I'll like, I'll see a little star, like some stars or, you know what I mean? Like you're, you, you get spotty. Mm-hmm. My vision gets spotty. You're like, Whoa, that's that like oxygen. Have you ever, have you ever done that on the bike? I mean, I guess so, but it happens more in strength because you're like, you have to recruit so much so quick. I feel like it's like, you yeah. see those videos of people passing out on, on YouTube. Your, all the blood, time. your blood pressure goes through the roof when you're lifting weights. That's what I mean. I feel like it's harder to do that in cycling. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I, so getting spotty vision is rare in cycling. Although I think I have had that before, but I, what I get more often, and I'm not saying this happens to me often, but I, I've gotten this more times than spotty vision is I've gone so hard that my hands and feet are mm. tingling. Yeah. Like they're numb. Like there's no blood flow to the tips of my fingers because all the blood is going to my quads. Yeah. That happened at Utah for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my whole left hand like just went numb. Well, that might be from like <laughs> your injury <laughs> and riding on bumpy terrain. Yeah, it's probably that, but I, yeah, it's probably a combination of both. Mm-hmm. All right, should we should we wrap it here? I think. Yeah, I wanted good, to make yeah, thirty minutes. I wanted to make one more comment. Going back to his question, if you know, doing the if he's not seeing any increase in FTP from doing twenty minute tests, and maybe he's not a good twenty minute test taker, and there's nothing to say that you can't do an FTP test in a different way. Um, as much as I hate to admit it, like ramp tests are darn accurate and it's not that fatiguing and you can throw it into your week. Um, it doesn't take long at all. And you know, you might get a different result from that, but yeah, it's just a bummer that you have to do them inside. Yeah. That's the only thing. Uh, it's like if you're not used to training inside and then all of a sudden you just do one test inside it might be on a different bike. It might be a different par meter or it just might be a different training environment. So, um, I, but I, I, I agree that I would be curious, you know, maybe, maybe Andre does the eight, you know, two by eight minute test or something like just to, just mm-hmm. to switch it up and see like, maybe he can get more out of himself if he does a little bit different, uh, you know, FTP protocol. So I'd be curious to know what he's doing. I'm, I'm assuming he's doing the 20 minute test Dylan, cause that's probably what's in your training plans. Mm-hmm. But yeah, may, maybe trying yeah, maybe, a different uh, protocol. Maybe look at what your normalized power is from a one-hour crit or something. If you do crits, I don't know. You know, you said you did the road build plan. So, but if you if you have a really one-hour, a really hard one-hour race effort, take a look at the normalized power from that and see how far off it is from what you have your FTP set up. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you next week. Sounds All good. Right. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in for the latest episode of the Matchbox Podcast. Like I said at the beginning, you can send any questions or topic suggestions to matchboxpod at gmail.com with email title, the Matchbox Podcast. Links to each of our social media pages can be found in the show notes. Tune in next week for another endurance training-related discussion and learn more about how you can find that extra match for your next big event. Catch you all soon. Let's go!